This episode of the Alley on the Run show is brought to you by Aftershocks. Welcome to the Alley on the Run show. I'm your host, Allie Feller, and today I'm so happy to be joined by my dear friend, Ashley Fizzerati. You probably know her from Instagram as Running Bun, and that's how I got to know her a few years ago too. But now I'm happy to report that Ashley and I are real life friends. I was actually about to run out the door to meet her for a run the day I took a pregnancy test back in February and found out that, yep, I was pregnant. I brought the test with me to go run five miles with Ashley, and that was weird and maybe I should have left it at home, but when I showed it to her, she freaked out and screamed and cried and was so excited, and needless to say, Ashley is one of those really cool, really fun, really dependable and honest friends that everyone should have. She's also one heck of a runner. Ashley is fresh off an amazing run at the Chicago Marathon where she not only ran a huge PR, but also nabbed her first Boston qualifying time. And she's proof that hard work works. Ashley has run five marathons and she's shaved nearly an hour off her first time. She ran her first marathon in four hours, 24 minutes and finished Chicago in three hours, 29 minutes and eight seconds. She also raised $5,600 for Every Mother Counts, which is a charity you should absolutely go and check out. Ashley works in finance. She's a mom of two. She's married to the world's biggest Jet fan. She's fun. She's feisty. And she's here. So let's do it. Ashley Fizzerati, welcome to the Alley on the Run show. You are fresh off the Chicago Marathon. Not only do you have a new PR, you have a Boston qualifying time. So congratulations and welcome to the show. Thank you. I am so honored to be here. All right. So we start off. Did you warm up before you ran Chicago? Uh, well, I was late. So yes, <laughs> technically. Perfect. We'll get to that. All right. Well, we start the show with a warm up. So warm us up. Tell us who you are, where you're from and what you do. Okay. My name is Ashley Fizzerati. I am from New Jersey, originally the Jersey Shore area. Now I live in North Jersey about 30 minutes from you. It's wonderful. Uh, I am a mom of two and I work in finance in hedge funds. All right. And we're going to get to the career stuff because I feel like I've known you for like six years now. Still have no idea what you do for work. Same. But I I feel like if I ever have like money questions, you're the person I would want to call. I think that is a very inaccurate. But I also feel like you're the wolf of Wall Street. So somewhere in there is what you do for a living. Uh, Yes, definitely. Awesome. Perfect. All right. Well, let's talk about Chicago first. You just ran a massive PR. First Boston qualifying time. 26.2 miles through Chicago. It's now what? It's Wednesday. So we're three and a half days, we'll say, post-race. How are you feeling? I'm feeling better each day. Stairs are still hard. Um, I'm very happy. So I'm just like kind of, I'm just so happy. I I didn't know how the race was going to go. And I guess training really does work. And, you know, giving yourself pep talks throughout the race does work. And I felt very good almost until the end of the race. And I'm very thankful for that. Yay. All right. Tell me about the training. Tell me about sort of your approach. Because you had a lot of setbacks early on. Back going to the beginning of this year, you were training for stuff and you had your neck injury and all that. So talk to me about kind of what the beginning of this year looked like and how you approached this block of marathon training. Sure. So I was originally going to train for a half marathon in April. I So I've had neck issues in the past about eight to 10 years of neck issues. Um, I have some bulging discs, they call it. It was it's like technically what they're doing before they herniate on and off throughout the years, never enough to stop me from doing anything, but like I always 100% of the time have like a stiff neck for the most part. Is that just like how your body's made or where does that come from? I have no idea. Well, I was living in New York City. I might've been like 24 years old and we were at the gym. I was at the gym with one of my friends and she's like, you can't do a pull up from a dead hang. I was like, yeah, I can. And I tried and like tweaked my neck and couldn't move. (laughs) Did you do the pull up? No, no, I got hurt. Dang, Still I haven't done a pull-up. <laughs> I was hoping you got her at least on the way down. Yeah. So I ended up going to um, like a spinal specialist at the time and an MRI and had disc issues. I didn't run or exercise really for about six months while I healed. Um, and then I slowly got back into it and it was never really an issue until this year. <laughs> of course. So as you were training for the half, 
did it, was it a gradual pain that came on or did you try yes. to do another pull-up? Yeah. <laughs> I haven't tried a pull-up since. <laughs> it was a gradual pain until one day I woke up and just like had insane shooting pain down my arm, like nerve pain it was, which because I knew of what the injury was, I was pretty sure that I probably had herniated discs. Ah, and yeah. so what did you do for it? So um, I medicated myself like around the clock just to get through the day. It was really hard. Like if you, it, it was a very weird feeling not being able to move. You just kind of lay, like I would lay in my bed in the morning and try and get up and I couldn't. I had to like turn my body over and push myself up and it was very painful. So ibuprofen around the clock um, until I finally went and saw a doctor again. Yeah. Oh, all right. And you obviously you couldn't get a bed. I'm guessing you were not running. Not running at all. So how much time did you take off running? Because you were in such good shape, train, leaning up to the half. I think I was in decent game. shape. I think it was going well. It was in the beginning. Yeah. Uh, so it was probably still about eight weeks out from the half marathon. Yeah, so I went to the doctor. I got um, an epidural steroid injection, and which calmed down the, like, the inflammation from the herniated disc, which relaxed the nerve pain, which was just the best thing ever. I was almost 100% the next day which was crazy. Um, but I very, very slowly went back into running from there. So I maybe a week after that, I would, I went for a couple walks a week. And then the next week I added in two or three minutes of running and then up until 10. And I just slowly built it. I mean, it was a solid two months before I got back into running fully. Good for you for practicing patience though. I feel like no one actually does that anymore. I just had, you know, I had, you have life, other life responsibilities and I am old enough to know that running is not worth uh, setting myself back Were with a nervous? neck injury. Were you nervous running again? I feel like yeah. anytime I've come back from an, in, you know, even the slightest injury, I'm so nervous yeah. to start again. I've never, that pain was insane. So I, that's why I took it really slow. Smart. So when did you say, okay, I'm good enough to run a fall marathon? Well, after the New York City Marathon last year, I went out with my girlfriends and celebrated and we drank a lot of margaritas and we're like, we're going to do the Chicago Marathon. And luckily my New York time qualified me into Chicago. Oh, There's our way less aggressive. That. So you just had to run a 345 for our age group. And what did you run in New York? A 341. So yeah, so I um, just made it into the Chicago through just the qualifier. Just made it in by four minutes. Yeah, so we I signed up as soon as it opened last year. So, so I that was on your I, calendar. It was already on the calendar. Okay. So when did you know though that you'd be okay enough to train for it? Oh, I felt maybe like a, a month and a half after when I was oh. just run walking and feeling good, like ten minutes of running, fifteen minutes of running, and no pain at all, and just no pain throughout the regular day. Sweet. So yeah. you worked with Mary Johnson, yeah, as your coach. I did. Talk to me about your decision to work with Mary and what your training looked like. So Mary is one of my good friends, and I saw how she works with other people, and I love the kind of training that she does. I think it's a lot of. You know, it's a lot of easy running, but the and then the hard work that you do, your workouts that you do, are quality. And it's and I knew that she would be flexible with my life and when things pop up. And I just thought it would be really fun to put it in someone else's hands and just kind of do. Like you get your plan every week and kind of get excited to get it. Like she uploads it through an app, and then you can see your workouts for the week. And I didn't want to have to think about it. I just wanted to to run. Was this your first time working with a coach? No, I worked with, oh, so long ago, back in 2011 and 2012, I worked with Stephanie Bruce. Oh, yeah. that's so fun. I was like, my coach is a professional runner. Yeah, no big deal. Yeah. Um, okay, so I feel like I was obsessed with your training. I loved following oh, it. Thanks. And it's funny to me that you said that, Mary, you knew you'd, that she would be flexible with your life because I feel like you were really committed to training. You were running like early in the morning when you had to. So I'm curious about how you, what your days look like and how you fit running into them. Cause did you miss any, I feel like you didn't miss any runs or workouts. You were really, you got them in. Yeah, I tried to, uh, there were definitely sometimes, there was a lot of like more of shuffling them throughout the week, okay. which was, which was nice. Cause you know, if you're moving easy runs around, it's not a big deal. But if I had to switch like my workout and she kind of handles that with like recovery days and everything. So I would reach out in that sense. But if it was just, um, moving some of the easier stuff around, I would just do that myself. But overall, yeah, I'm really happy with getting as many workouts in as possible. Um, I ran very early, like five, five fifteen in the morning because it was really the only time I could go. 
Uh, I don't, I used to run a lot at night. I don't really like it anymore. I feel better having uh, the run done in the morning. Um, I get home with enough time to still do everything I need to do for the kids, uh, make their lunches, get them ready for school, take them to school. Um, I work from home now, so it's a lot easier, uh, which I started in June. Well, I was going to say, yeah. you, you had the career shift. Yeah. I mean, this whole year has been a bit of a shift. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like you settled into the working from home right as you were starting, starting training. So right. talk to me about working from home. You know, I work from home too, but I'm freelance, so no one is necessarily checking in. If I wanted to run at 1 p.m., I could. Your situation's a little different because you're the wolf of Wall Street. People are calling you to trade stocks all day, right? Oh, opposite of true. Exactly what you do. <laughs> you're Randall from This Is Us. You're a weather trader. I don't watch that show. Oh, my God. I know. Everyone is always so appalled that I don't watch it, but I just don't like to watch things that are going to make me cry I was all say, you of don't the want time. forced sadness every week and no. becoming emotionally invested Not in people even that are real. Bit. Currently, I'm watching um, the Dallas Cowboy Cheerleaders making the team. Oh, it's on season 28 or something. Excellent show. I'm more into that kind of stuff. And you know what? I can't <laughs> knock that. I actually do. I haven't watched it since like season one, probably. Right. But I do really like that show. Yeah. Um, okay, so getting the workouts in. You're running early. I'm assuming because I'm just trying to like figure out how parenting works. So I'm assuming you're getting up and running. The kids are still asleep. Your husband's home in bed. Everyone's everyone's still asleep when I get back. Up until just recently, Um, but yeah, it worked out really well. Both my kids were sleeping well, and maybe I woke them up when I got home. But most of the time, I was still able to do a few things before everyone got up. Yeah. And talk to me about your motivation, because you seem to me very motivated. Is that you're motivated by? Was it a time goal? Was it you just love running so much? What was getting you up and out the door every day at five? I like training. I like following a plan. I like the feeling of a good workout, of running fast and enjoying it. I'm not one of those people that loves to go out for a run and just be alone with my thoughts. That's not, I just, <laughs> Too many thoughts. Too, too many, many thoughts. <laughs> I really just, I like the, the training for sure. And I like running with friends. But I, what you had said, what motivates me is just following the plan and accomplishing little goals as the plan goes through. So maybe it's, you know, marathon pace for this many miles or speed work at this. I like setting little goals each week. And was the goal as soon as you signed up for this race a year ago to Boston qualify? Yes and no. I would say more no because I never was back in twenty. 11, 2012, when I was running marathons more frequently, um, I, yes, I wanted to Boston qualify. I definitely did. I thought I could. As time went on, I was less interested in actually getting to Boston. But what, what happened was that, like, my, I think my goal, my goal time just happened to be synonymous with the Boston qualifying time. So you can't not think about it, even though I'm not super interested or feeling the need that I have to be there. And at what point did you and Mary sit down or talk and say, this is our race plan? Oh, like the day before I left for Chicago. (laughs) And what was the race plan? So the race plan was actually um, take the first 10K really conservative and then break it up into four by five miles. You know, it's beautiful you say that because I was going to guess what your race plan was based off your splits because they were so beautiful. And I was like, she has a plan and she's sticking to it. And this is, oh, so tracking you is the best. Thank you. Um, I didn't follow the plan exactly. And it wasn't on purpose. I just made sure by the time I got to the six mile mark that I had energy. I wanted to still have a lot of energy at the half. So I said to myself, okay, what pace do do I think I can autopilot on? And I kind of tuned into that and it was up and down for a few seconds for, you know, probably until like the 23rd mile, which I was very happy with. Yeah. (laughs) Tell me about mental training. Are you pretty mentally tough? Is that something you've had to work on? And how were you feeling mentally going into Chicago? I think up until New York last year, I've had very, very good training cycles and I normally race poorly. Um, I say, oh, this this actually feels really hard. I should probably give up and walk or slow down or make this easier. This is too hard. You know, all those thoughts that go through your mind, you kind of give yourself an out, right? But you don't do that in your training runs. Right. It's very strange. It's 
So last year going to New York, I focused so much on the mental game. I read books, um, well, listen to books because that's a lot easier. <laughs> um, How Bad Do You Want It by Matt Fitzgerald was a really good book. And listen to, everyone had great podcasts with professional runners that were talking about wonderful things on how to tune in your mental game. Dina Kassler's book, I read hers. It's all really great. And then in New York, I had a terrible race. I think I was too in tune. Like I was too focused on the mental game that I just let it all spiral and kind of gave up. I didn't let it ruin my race at all. I had a great time. I was going to say you ran a great time. So to hear you say you had a terrible race is actually surprising to me. I think, so, I think my training was similar time-wise in, in terms of like goal pieces for everything that it was in New York um, than it, that, as it was here. But I felt stronger this entire time. I think I just let go of all of that. I didn't think about the mental game at all. Plus my life in the last two months got insane with um, my son not sleeping at all. Uh, work, I was working till 11, 12 at night. I was running at random times of the day again because I couldn't get out in the morning because Christopher wasn't sleeping. Um, that I just kind of stopped thinking about the race. And I think it was <laughs> to my benefit that I wasn't so focused on the race and how it was, I was just running. Did you listen to music during the race? I did, this time. Um, everyone said, oh, take it all in, which I did in New York. People said the same thing to me too for New York. And I didn't end up using music in New York. Um, but this time with the weather, it was raining a lot. And um, there were some parts that just had no crowds. And um, I didn't know the course. I didn't know where I was at all that I just felt like I was running a regular race, I guess. I, I put my music on around mile eight and used it until um, we made that last turn onto the finish. I took out my headphones. Why were you late getting to the start? We stayed at a hotel right across the street <laughs> and we knew how long it would take to get there. But what I didn't take into account was that the I was in the first wave, that the other waves were going to be entering security at the same time. So I had to wait in a really long security line because there were people from other waves in there as well. So that is just, that's my own bad. I didn't think about it. Did that throw you it. off or were you fine? A little bit because I, ha I brought a bag to check and I wasn't like fully in my race outfit. I brought different shoes because I didn't know how it was going to be raining at the start where my feet would be wet. I wanted to put on like a fresh pair of shoes. I just brought an old pair to donate. But it ended up being fine. Once you got through security, it was very easy to drop your bag and get there. But I probably got in my corral at 7.15 and they closed at 7.20. So you were fine. Yeah. Took five minutes to start. Yeah. And then uh, you had, then I waited like another 15 before we started. So yeah. it ended up being fine, but yeah, it almost threw me off for a sec. Uh, looking back at your training, how much cross training did you do? A lot this you time. Did. Yeah, I went to the gym. I actually was working with a personal trainer, which is my husband hates because it's very expensive. <laughs> so you do that in addition to Mary? Um, yeah, yeah. Okay. So I was working with a personal trainer since May. I think I asked for it for Mother's Day as a gift, and then I kept paying for it. <laughs> gift that keeps on Mother's giving. Mother's Day is every day. Yes, it is. So I um, about twice a week, um, I would be at the gym once with the trainer, once or twice by myself. And is that mostly like heavy lifting? What kind of stuff were you doing? It was heavier in the beginning because that was my goal before I started marathon training was um, to get into lifting, which was really fun because it was new for me. Um, and then as the race got closer, I basically switched off weights and just did like body weight stuff and then stopped altogether about two weeks out from the race. Smart. Looking back on your training. So let's say you're standing on the start line, you got your 15 minutes to go, we'll say, and you're in your corral. Uh, looking back on your training, what would you say worked best to get you to the start line feeling good and ready to have an awesome race? Uh, success in the workouts, um, flexibility with my workouts. Um, if one wasn't good, just to let it go. Um, not focusing on the negatives, not focusing on the workouts in either direction. Like remember that you had a really good workout, but remember it felt really good because you probably had a bad workout the day before, you know, or the week before. Don't get too cocky. Yeah, like, I just, just take it week by week. I went to a PT a couple, for like probably a month and a half leading up just for whatever aches and pains I had just for like a massage essentially. It was mostly my calves, they were just very tight um, and it really helped. Um, I got through healthy and that is really important as well. So 
Um, I was really happy about that. So I want to hear more about the actual race, but before we get into that, just because we've talked so much about life and workouts and kind of making it all happen, what advice do you have to people? I think a lot of people out there are in similar situations. They're working full time. They have a kid or two. They're maybe they're married. They have a lot going on, but also want to have ambitious running goals and fit it into their lives. You made it work. You've made it happen. What advice do you have? I think you just need to make it important, make it a goal, make time for it. And I know it's not the no excuses thing because I think that is terrible and should not yeah, exist. But at the same time, you, you you make it a priority. I definitely, I mean, there's no way I could put 100% into everything that I'm doing, but I put more into that and maybe I had a little bit less into other things. Maybe I didn't see you know, friends or family as much, or, you know, maybe I wasn't hundred percent mentally there after a big workout, but you know, it, it, it's just a short period of time in my life to focus on something like that for four months or whatever that, um, I made it a priority. Uh, I got, maybe I slept less. I got up earlier in the morning to run. Um, I ran, if I couldn't get in the morning run, I would do it at night. Like I just, I, I made it happen as opposed to just, um, having a goal and, you know, lackadaisical training. Hoping it would happen. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I like that. I respect that a lot. Uh, You mentioned that when we were talking about mental stuff, you said you felt two in your head leading up to New York. So for this race, do you do, are you a race mantra person? Um, Not really. I just kind of said, just keep running. Uh, I don't know if you know her, Molly Turner. She's so amazing. She's super fast. We were all in Indianapolis last fall for uh, the Indy Women's Half. And Molly is just, she's, I mean, she ran a 118 half that day. And she, we were all panicking about the race for one reason or another. And she's like, it's just running. It's just running, guys. Just run. And so, like, yeah, a lot of times in this race, I was just like, it's just running. Just run. The fast people are so chill. I know. I know. I know. But I, I won't. It was so funny to me that I'll never forget it. I like that. And it's, and it's great. It's, like, helped me. Okay, so let's talk about Chicago. So you start running. I don't know. I've never been to Chicago. I've never run the race. Just tell me what the race was like for you. Obviously, we know that it rained a little bit. It was a little bit humid. Did you care? Uh, the rain actually kept the temperatures down a bit, and it uh, was great. So we started, and I don't know. I didn't know anything about the course, which is I don't know if I should have researched it more, but you kind of start, and you go straight like underground essentially into like uh, the tunnels under the highways. I don't know if that's the proper word. So if anyone's from Chicago, they probably <laughs> think that I'm an idiot. <laughs> but, like uh, what race did you run? Right, right. But um, then you come out and you're in the city and everything, but it was so wet, it was very slick. And um, I had, I would say 99.9% of the time I had to watch my footing the whole so day. So it rained the whole time you were running? It rained after, I think about the first mile, it started drizzling and then it turned into a consistent rain, sometimes pouring for like an hour and a half or so. And then it stopped and it got really warm. So I kind of wanted it to start again, <laughs> but yeah. Any chafing wounds from that? I was very, very surprised and lucky to say no to that question. <laughs> I mean, talk about you. A lot of victories. That a lot day. of victories. I'm I know. So proud of you. I know. So I was like, there's you. no way that my shorts are not going to be up my butt and that parts of my body are not going to be injured. There are a few things worse than running an awesome marathon, getting back to your hotel, and not being able to enjoy your shower because I you know. basically burnt off the skin under your And face. you get nervous because you don't know if it's going to be there. Know. Oh, it's always a surprise. <laughs> it's always, it's always a surprise. But yeah, I was happily there. All right. So you said you felt good until like mile 23. Mm -hmm. Then what happened? I think, so I just said to myself, okay, keep going at this pace. I checked in with myself a couple, like maybe every couple miles and was still clicking off the miles at the time I wanted to be. And I felt good. I didn't feel like I was overexerting myself. I just felt comfortable, which was wonderful. And by mile 18 in New York, I was, I was done. I had nothing left to give. Mile 18 in New York is also, I find, mentally mm-hmm. a hard place yeah. to be. Yeah. You still have a whole other burrow yeah. to go through. It's Right. So I just thought to myself, okay, how do you feel? And it's already, it was already a personal victory to still feel fresh at mile 18 and still feel fresh at mile 20 and still running my marathon pace that I wanted it to be. So I just said, okay, I mean, now at this point, it's eight miles to the finish. It's six miles to the finish. You can go this an hour. You can run for an hour. And, you know, this little tiny pep talks. Um, and then... 
I saw there was a guy holding a sign that said, it's only a 5K from here at the last 5K. So it's probably like 24 points. I'm not like, oh my God, what, what just happened to me? This is terrible. <laughs> my legs feel like they're going to fall off. I can't breathe. But I think it was just like a quick mental thing. But I did get very tired and I hung on to the pace and I looked at my watch and I said, okay, well, you could still run a 331 or 332 if you just run a nine minute mile. And then I said, you know what? No. <laughs> You're not going to do this. You're not going to give yourself an out. That's what you do all the time. Just run, right? So it's I just, just kept going. It's just running. So I just kept going and seeing the one mile to go sign. And I had like nine and a half minutes to get under 3.30. I was very happy because it was, it was tough. So that's when you knew. You're like, that's when I knew because I was like, I'm not going to let this go. I'm not going to let this go. Yay. And what an, what an impressive uh, change in your mental state. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, that's why I still think that just going in, not putting too much emphasis on, on my mental game and on the race really helped me. So what was so going, I think I know it works now. <laughs> what was going through your mind when you crossed the finish line? Okay. So everyone says this hill in Chicago is really hard at the end. It's right at 400 meters to go. And I said, oh, no, we, I run hills all the time. I run in New York. It's going to be nothing. But like, you actually feel like you're climbing a mountain. So you take a right onto the hill and then maybe 150 meters, you take a left and you can see the finish line. And I was so happy because I knew I was going to run under 330. I didn't know like how much, maybe like 10 seconds. I had no idea, but I was so happy. And I just looked up and I go, you guys, we did it to everyone around me. And everyone was like, ugh, shut up. <laughs> Nobody else shared my joy at that time. So <laughs> someone listening was near you when that happened. It was like, guys, no, I we liked did it. it. We all looked like wet dogs. It was fine. That's but I was amazing. so, I, I smiled and I was just like grinning so much going down that last stretch because like I knew that I'd finally accomplished a goal I'd set out to do in 2012 so really you've had the gold of boston qualify for that long just to get like under 335 okay. was what i thought my ability was so all right I'm so really now happy. That you have that are you feeling i mean i know it's only been a couple days but are you feeling pretty good like all right did it check or are you like well now i'm gonna run boston and now i'm gonna run 325 and i'm gonna eventually break three like what's going through your mind at this phase so the only thing going through my mind right now is do i want to run boston if I did, it would be next year, but I want to have another baby. So it's kind of like confusing. But if I wait, if I have a baby and then wait, I get my five minutes back because I'll age up again. <laughs> so that'll be just a little bit easier. <laughs> Let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. Have you bought a pair of Aftershocks wireless headphones yet? You haven't? Okay, I'm not sure what you're waiting for. Because if you like running, commuting, or walking your dog with music or podcasts, these are the headphones you need to have. If you're still running with headphones that need to be plugged into your phone, let me welcome you to 2018. Wireless is where it's at, and I never realized this until I finally made the move myself. I feel so much more free and untethered when I wear my Aftershocks Trex Air headphones. I can run like Phoebe from Friends, flailing my arms around without having to worry about them smacking a cord or something like that and sending my headphones or my phone flying. And they're comfortable. They're so lightweight and they just rest right on top of your ears, which is much comfier than shoving an earbud in your ears. Plus, I no longer have to waste five minutes before every single run untangling my headphones. Instead, I just pop my Aftershocks on and I'm out the door. So it's time for you to make the move. Go to ontherun.aftershocks.com for $55 off your Trex Air or Trex Titanium wireless headphone bundle. This also includes a branded shoe bag, a sport belt, and a water bottle. Now let's get back to the show. Tell me about how your running has changed since having kids. Physically? All or of it. All of it. Okay. All of it. Um... I'm doing research. Oh, yes. <laughs> I think that you appreciate it more, uh, the time alone. <laughs> um, when I had Jenny and I was running a lot with the stroller, I ran so much with the stroller after she was born. And then by the time Christopher was born, I said, I'm not taking a double. I'm not even taking a single out there. I want to run without anyone being near me, <laughs> besides my friends, obviously. So um, I think I just appreciate the time out there, you know, focusing on myself, even though I'm not out there reflecting or anything, just time away is helps me be a better mom for sure. I like that you had to put a like disclaimer on that. I'm not out reflecting. <laughs> like 
That's okay. You're allowed to just run and relax. And right. Enjoy exactly. Exactly. Uh, that's like I get massages sometimes, and I feel like I need to lay there and like think about relaxing right. and like make sure I'm relaxed. And if I think about my to-do list, I'm like, no, I'm doing it wrong, yeah. and then I'm stressed, and yeah. I'm like, this is a terrible massage mm-hmm. experience. Right. Um, so yeah, it's okay that you're not always reflecting yeah. on the run. You can just that's run. Fine. Just, just running. running. <laughs> exactly. Um, what about you ran through both pregnancies, but they were very different. Oh, yeah. Like. All right. Yeah. Talk Opposite, about I want to say. Even. Yeah. Um, running never felt good when I was pregnant with Jenny, not even in the beginning. I ran until 28 weeks, and I probably should have stopped months before that. I dropped out of a 5K because I was having aggressive pain in my, I don't even, lower ligament is that what they call it oh round ligament round thing. ligament that's it listen that's one of it feels like when I've you get, googled yeah. a million times and i still don't really understand what it yeah. is yeah it's like under your belly on the side a little allegedly. bit allegedly anyway it feels like you're getting stabbed it was not great at all so i kind of forced running through that and i forced working out and um i think because of that i had a much harder time after she was born ever feeling like myself like i actually never never really felt like myself again until after i had christopher really yeah and then everyone says oh well you're not you can't compare to your old self, but like you kind of have to in your head. Like you just what, do it. It's like, what else am I going to use to compare? Um, I never felt comfortable. I shouldn't have done it. I didn't know any better. I did exercises that I didn't know were not good for pregnant women. And now I have a decent size um, gap between my abdominal muscles. Right, that, well, tell me about that because I yeah. think that, because I mean, I think you probably know when I got pregnant, I asked you. Because I was just asking lots of people and you were like, don't do planks. Don't do anything in plank position. <laughs> but then, of course, all my fitness instructors are like, oh, if you need to modify, just do a plank. And I'm like, Ashley Fizzerati said no planks. I am not a doctor. And but... <laughs> <laughs> but there's so much conflicting information. I agree. Even from experts. Right. Like physical therapists disagree with trainers. And like there's just so much. So I want to know from a personal perspective. I'm not saying Dr. Fizzerati. Um Wolf of Wall Street, Fizzerati. Mm-hmm. But what did or did not work for you in terms of exercises? So disclaimer: personal experience. Yeah, <laughs> don't want anyone to get mad. <laughs> so I would say I went in. I had no clue with, when I was pregnant the first time. I think I made a lot of mistakes that I didn't know I was making at the time, and I think that's what contributed to me feeling not great for an entire year after was that she just was like born. running too much or running when I was uncomfortable mm-hmm. pushing through exercises when I was uncomfortable, maybe getting my heart rate too high where I couldn't like hold a conversation, like just unnecessary things, but I didn't know I was making a mistake until I learned more about, you know, pelvic floor health and physical therapy and correct exercises for pregnant women. And I didn't learn about that until afterward. I didn't even know that existed. Yeah. I had no idea. Um, so I went into my second pregnancy uh, much, with a much better like a bigger open mind so I just knew that I wasn't going to force anything I would only run or do exercises that were comfortable I would modify to my extent of knowledge of how to modify things being pregnant and I ended up having a great time like I didn't I never felt pain I was able to run almost all the way to the end I stopped at the end because I was just lazy (laughs) fat (laughs) I didn't feel like running anymore not because it hurt because I just didn't want to I was like I'm just going to take this time and eat a lot of Chipotle (laughs) I think that's what I want for lunch. I had it last night. Sounds really good to me right now. I also had it after the race. (laughs) Good. So I've had it twice in the last three days. Uh, But yeah, so it ended up being a lot better. I ended up being able to run much quicker after the pregnancy. Uh, After I I mean, I waited the six, eight weeks, whatever. But then I um, got up and going and was able to run fast again quickly. And it was, I think it's just that I was smarter during my pregnancy. How much do your kids get or take interest in your running? Christopher gets it. Like I put on the Chicago Marathon yesterday and he just said, Mama, run. Oh. Like he thought I was there. Like oh, he saw a picture cute. of Galen Rupp and he's like, Mama, <laughs> not really, but. You're like, yes, there we'll I go am. With it. Totally we'll go with great. it. Jenny definitely gets it. She yeah. lo- like when she sees me put my shoes on, she's like, you're going running? That's so cool. <laughs> it's oh. really nice. And she's done kids races, hasn't she? She's. She's done one. Okay. She cried. I had to like pull her yeah. arm the whole time. It was like 20 yards. So proud. <laughs> so we're hoping for a better result next year. <laughs> oh, what race will she be doing? Is she signed up for any? Well, my favorite race 
in all of the world is the Spring Lake Five Mile Run in New Jersey, Spring Lake, New Jersey, and they have a kids run. It's a little chaotic because it's a very big race, so but I'm definitely gonna sign her up for that. It's in May. Yay! I was supposed to run that this year. Yeah, I, I remember. I didn't. It's fine. It was a horrible race for me too because I was that was kind of shortly after I was feeling better from oh, my right. neck, so I kind of just hobby jack whatever. <laughs> Happy Memorial Day. Yeah. Um, all right. I want to talk about your work ethic because. You seem like you are someone who just really has her shit together. Thank you. You I don't. <laughs> well, but it seems like you do. So let's talk about that. Um, but really, we already talked about how you get your training in. I've seen the lunches you make for your kids every day, which I, like, even long before I was pregnant, I loved seeing <laughs> the meals you made for your kids, which she has as an Instagram story highlight. I'll just put that out there. Oh, that you can go and see all of Ashley's meals for her kids. Um, but you seem really diligent. You get everything done. Like we said, you have the, you know, work works. You put it in. Have you always been someone? You, I mean, you just said you don't have good work ethic or you don't have all your shit together. So I think I try. you do. I try to have a good work, work ethic. All right. Well, <laughs> tell me about that. Have you always been that way? And, and kind of where do you see yourself falling on that spectrum? I think it's changing with the ages of my kids. I know that they, they both go to daycare. We call it school because they're learning a lot more there than they would with me. So <laughs> I call where my dog goes school. Right, right. School, so I can't fun. remember. Jenny was young. Maybe she was two or so. And she just was in the back. She was in like her car seat. And she just started saying the days of the week. And I, I would have never known to teach you the days of the week. So yeah, I'm really happy with it. Anyway, so school. <laughs> so I know they, you know, there's certain times of the day where I need to do certain things and that having them be out of the house at a certain time and coming home at a certain time, I guess they kind of like time block. Like I have this time for running, then I have this time to get them ready for school, then I have to get them to school, and then I have work, and then I have to get them home, feed them, and then I have to stay up all night with Christopher. It's the last time block. <laughs> it's the never-ending time block. The never-ending time block. I'm very tired. Um, but before that, it was very, it was great. So I think that focusing on one thing at a time has helped me over the years. I am generally not organized, and uh, working from home has kind of made me do that. Made me really? be more organized because so with my last jobs. I would work from home randomly, maybe if someone was sick or I didn't feel good or whatever reason, and I would probably sit on the couch with my laptop and watch TV. But now, Hanging because my I'm head a, in shame because I've been doing that yeah. for the past four years. So now, because I'm 100% from home, I have to separate myself. Like I, good for you. I have an office and I go up there, and sometimes I even forget to like come downstairs to go to the bathroom. It's so busy. But I, there's no other way to accomplish the work that I need to get done if I don't separate myself from that. So I kind of just make sure that I'm focusing, you know, 100% on work, or if it's in the morning, I'm focusing on my run or um, the gym or, and then again, the kids. What is your job? Okay. <laughs> so I work at a firm that is a institutionalized back office okay. for hedge Time funds. Up. Time up. <laughs> Talk to me. <laughs> okay. Like I'm um, one. Have you heard of a hedge fund? Yes. Okay. So my job up until now, since I left public accounting, was in the back office at a hedge fund. So that's accounting. So now I work at a firm where hedge funds outsource that function. So I do the same thing, but for multiple clients. Money managers. Got it. There See? you go. But I'm not a money manager. Oh. <laughs> Did, was that the I plan? work for money managers. Is that, was, that, was that young Ashley's plan? No. Oh, God. <laughs> I wanted to be a history major, but then... Someone told me that I would always have a job being an accounting major. And at the time, I thought it like accounting was synonymous with being good at math. So I said, sure, let's do it. Um, it is true that you will probably always have a job. So that's great. Um, like I didn't get laid off in 2008. That was thankful. I, was, I had just started my career too at yeah. that time. So that was hard. Um, did you take the CPA? I did. I did not pass it. I, I was going to say, <laughs> the look you just gave me was Well, it's because I spent so much money and time studying for it and never got enough. Like, I would pass and then I would fail. And if you it's don't how pass... Many parts? Like four? It's four parts, but if you don't pass them all within a certain time, they start, like, dropping off. I oh, just damn. gave up. I finally got, I got to a job where they valued an MBA more than a CPA and I stayed in, on that path, thank God. <laughs> okay, and your husband... Yes. He, in my mind, because, you know, I just have this vision of your family, of how I define you. Okay. And then you need to correct me. He is a professional Jets fan. 
I mean, it's accurate. He did not come to Chicago because there was a Jets game. That's why. <laughs> Stop. Yeah. Amazing. Um, what does he do for work? He works in finance too. Different, completely different. He's in a corporate finance, works for a medical device company. Okay. But his he's not in the city. He works near home. Yeah, it's right down the street. We're oh, both really nice. lucky, like in terms of our commutes now. Mine's shorter. <laughs> Finally. <Yeah>. Shorter. <laughs> he from used to brag. To so he's like three miles away. He used to brag to everyone, I only have to make right turns. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like Zoolander. Yeah. <laughs> Zoolander couldn't Can't turn go left. left. Yeah. Um, tell me about your diet. Oh. You're a vegetarian. Yeah, my diet always consists been a of Chipotle and wine lately. <laughs> and margaritas. And margaritas with lots of those At the lately. airport. <laughs> At the airport. Um, um, no, I have not always been a vegetarian. I've been a vegetarian since 2011, 2011 or so. Tell yeah. me about that decision. It was kind of like quick. I had watched some terrible videos, you know, the ones that you want to avoid but you can't sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I just kind of decided I didn't want to do eat meat anymore. And then I, it was, we were with my girlfriends on New Year's Eve and I was just like, I can't do it anymore, crying because I was not sober. And then that day I just stopped, stopped eating meat. Wow. My husband's so funny because he always says that we went to um, his parents the next day and his mom made shepherd's pie and I like had decided the night before and I was like, oh. I can't, I have to eat it because I'm here, but I don't want to. So he always like messes with her that it was her shepherd's pie that turned me into a vegetarian. Oh, no. Wait, so did you eat it? What'd you do? I did ate a couple bites, but that was it. And he's not a vegetarian. Oh, opposite. And your kids are not either. No, no. I mean, kids barely eat as is. I'm not going to like remove a whole food grip <laughs> right. or, pre you know, push my values on them. They can decide when they're older. But in general, you seem like you eat a pretty healthy diet. Um, yeah, so actually being a vegetarian helped me find foods I didn't even know existed because that's like the first time I did research because everyone, no one is concerned about your protein intake until you find they find out you don't eat meat. They're like, oh God, how are well, you, you going to survive today? What do you get for protein? I'm like, you didn't care five minutes ago what my protein intake was. Why do you care now? <laughs> right? It's the first question. Well, what do you eat for protein? <laughs> like, what do you eat for what protein? Do you, right. do you eat steaks three times a day? Right. Oh, you know what there's protein in? Spinach. Right. There you go. So, yeah. So, I ended up doing a lot of research and finding new foods. And that's kind of when I started cooking more. Oh, see, that's what I need to do. You inspire me. I made a quinoa bowl one time and I was like, I'm actually Fizzerati. <laughs> Except there was chicken sausage in it. So, not <laughs> that's okay. Really. That's okay. I think it, it just, in general, I eat very well-rounded. I don't ever say no to anything. Like I don't, besides meat, but <laughs> um, I eat crap sometimes. Like I eat ice cream whenever I want it. I eat cookies when I want it. I had McDonald's french fries yesterday. Um, I'm so hungry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> you know, I just don't really, um, I don't exclude anything I just and then I just say okay well the majority of the time let's try and eat a lot of fruits and vegetables and did that change during your marathon training at all or no 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 I just ate more yeah more like carbs that. generally what did you use to fuel during the race okay so I used gels I think that was actually one of the reasons why New York was really hard for me is I felt I think I was really dehydrated I didn't take in enough fuel or water um so I I used to not be able to take gels they made me nauseous like just the consistency it was just very oh, gross yeah. <laughs> still gross even thinking about it but um I tried it again this time and just had no stomach issues and it was so I just used them throughout my whole training and it was fine all right my current favorite thing to ask people about is confidence for some okay. reason I'm on like a big confidence kick right now that's and great I like hearing about people's confidence do you consider yourself a confident person be like average sometimes Why? sometimes not because you always feel like you're not doing well in something like I always feel like oh, maybe I'm not the best parent or maybe my not doing that great at work or my running sucks. But then you kind of get out of it and you're like, well, you know what? I'm, I'm making I'm making it happen you know, at the same time. So I think it, it ebbs and flows. I wouldn't say I'm overly confident at all. Were you a confident kid or teenager? No. Really? No. Why? I don't know. I think that I just, as a teenager, I don't know, I made a lot of poor decisions. What? I followed people that I shouldn't have followed around, you know, um, I just think that having a kid now, I am very apologetic to my parents, one, <laughs> and that, like I just want them to be different than I was. And I'll be able to, I think I'll be able to be honest and realistic with them about like decisions I made and hopefully they'll make better ones. 
I just wasn't very nice sometimes. I wasn't, um, I went to parties, I lied, you know, basic teenager stuff, right. you know, I just, it's so stupid, it's yeah. unnecessary, but I didn't know, I thought it was the best decision in the world at the time. <laughs> yeah, and we yeah. hated, you know, I hated my parents, they were oh, so, God. I mean, I, I have always loved my parents, but like, so strict. I thought I thought they were so strict, and I'm like, well, I mean, I still went to the parties. Mm-hmm. Like, I still was out of the house. They couldn't have been that bad. I'm, I'm going to be, be really worse. interested in how my husband and I end up handling the teenage years because we had a very different teenage life. Really, what was his? Um, life? His was, I mean, he's he just has a brother. It's him and his brother, and his parents are very trusting. They he they were basically allowed to do whatever they want, but they also at the same time weren't like going behind their back and lying. So they were more open with it, I guess. And his parents were just a little more, less strict, I guess. Um, mine were very strict and my older sister made terrible decisions. So I was punished for that as well, just by Aww. not being able to do certain things. So then I said, well, I'm going to go anyway and like run away. <laughs> so it'll be really interesting because I came from really strict parents and he came from not parents that were not strict at all. In general, do you two see pretty eye to eye on parenting things? Sometimes. Who's stricter? Him. Yeah. Oh, I was like, I thought I would be the strict one, but now I'm like, oh, just do whatever you want. Stop yelling in my ear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, play on the counters. It's fine. Yeah. That could, and it does cause a little bit of tension sometimes because if I, he's, and my mom had, and I have had many conversations about this because she said this is something that I need to stop doing in order for us to have a successful marriage. <laughs> um, if he's, like, I let a lot of things go with the kids because I, I really do. It's a definition of pick your battles. I don't care what they wear. I don't care what they're doing in this sense. I care about the more important things. Like, don't hit your brother in the face or don't bite your sister. You know, those things. Like, because I don't want those them to go out in public and do these things. Bite other people. Bite other people. It's frowned upon. He cares, like, more about, like, we got this quick story. I don't know if he's going to listen, but... <laughs> We got into this little argument because Jenny wanted to go for a scooter ride and she had her like a nightgown on and he's like, you have to change your clothes because you're going to trip. And I'm like, she's not going to trip. Just let her. And she started crying. She threw a hissy fit because she just wanted to wear her Elsa nightgown on the scooter. So I said, why do you care about the nightgown? And he's like, well, now that you said that in front of her, now like, you know, and I get it. But that's why I was telling my mom about it. And she said, you have to stop doing that. <laughs> oh, what was your most recent fight with your husband? Um, well, I haven't been around for a couple days, so <laughs> I'm kind of brain Smooth dead sailing. after the marathon. <laughs> Picking no battles. Um, probably something over the kids, honestly. Yeah. And how do you... Or that I wouldn't put out. <laughs> Says the girl who wants one more kid. Yeah. You're going to have to at least I know, one time. I know, at least once. <laughs> Cross our fingers. How do you teach... I know they're young right now, but in talking about confidence, how do you teach that to your kids? So I've actually been actively trying to do it with Jenny. I think she's at the age where she's very impressionable already. She's four and a half, but she notices everything and she understands when I talk to her about things. So I've definitely been, you know, I always speak to her about kindness. I think that's the most important, Um, accepting everybody. um, When she'll tell me like a story of something at school, of someone doing something, I'll like ask her um, how it made her feel, what what she thought about at the time and just and on top of that I always just make sure she knows that she can like do be whoever she wants to be kind of thing so I just even if it's not relevant I kind of added in I feel like you know brainwash reverse psychology my child yes yes um that phrase that you just said that she can be whoever she wants to be do whatever she wants who do you want to be what is your like dream life look like and how does it compare to what you're doing right now? Um, I would like a bigger house, but that's materialistic things. That's okay. Dream life is it's pretty good. I want another kid for sure. I just don't feel like my family is complete yet. I think it's maybe because I'm one of three. I just think, oh, well, I need another kid. So I think that like have another baby, hopefully it, it will not be a problem in terms of like actually getting pregnant and having a baby because I really appreciate that now too after having that. kids. Like so um, yeah, I, I love my career. I think I'm very proud of where I am now. Um, just a quick, quick backdrop. I was working for a startup hedge fund until February this year. We closed down, so I was unemployed for a few months and I actually used those few months to gain some confidence in interviewing and to just ask, like not to accept being paid less 
Um, so I'm really proud of the job that I have now and negotiating my salary and getting back up to my market value. Um, so I want to just continue on and be successful. I really like my job. I like the person I am because of uh, working hard and, you know, just general happiness. I love the, my friends that I have right now. I love my family. We see each other a lot. Everything is pretty good. So I have really nothing to complain about. All right. Before we sprint to the finish, I, we need to talk about the the interviewing and the salary negotiation. Okay, yeah. Because that's been a hot topic here. People love to talk about this. So right. tell me about how you built that confidence and how you felt how you felt confident walking into a room and, and actually saying this is my worth without like sweaty palms or shaking hands or backing down. It took a couple times for sure. Um, what helped most was not going into a job that I knew would not, not going to an interview, turning down interviews. Um, or even if like it was a first interview and I didn't know the comp range yet, I and they turned I would have to turn it down and either they would you know, if they really like you, they would either try and make it work or it just, you know, they're honest with you and tell you that it's maybe out of the range a little bit. But um, you do your research, you know what people, your age, how many years experience, the the industry that you're in, the location of the country that you're in, they're all different. I mean, I was really aware of what my uh, market value was with someone with, you know, about 10 years now about 10 years experience um so that was really helpful to go in because you know if they're gonna you know offer you significantly lower than that then it's just a hard no then you know they won't even negotiate kind of and if they're not going to negotiate in the beginning you don't want to work there anyway because that's when you can get the most out of the out of the job opportunity is in the beginning so i got really far i did like five rounds of this one company and they were just not willing to negotiate and i said well if they're not even though it seems like a great thing and maybe, yeah, I'll have some flexibility. If they're not going to negotiate now, then what's it going to be like, you know, year after year, uh, small raises, you're going to, you're going to eventually be unhappy and leave anyway. And I just was very willing to turn those down and wait for an opportunity. And, and at the same time, I'm very lucky that we were in a financial situation when I was, was unemployed that I could turn things down and wait to find the right opportunity. Good for you. And do you prefer the work from home life? I'm still getting used to it. Yeah. I like that. I, I was just, like, I, I, I had to live by a train schedule going into Manhattan. And it was just, and they're not great. They're very delayed all the time. So I would, you know, be gone at 7.30 and get home uh, later than 7.30 sometimes. And, again, like, my husband definitely picked up the slack for the first bunch of years when I was commuting in and out of the city. And uh, he was able to do that because he worked so close to home. But now... I've taken over again and like, like we make it work. Like we just, you know, if he needs, like he took Christopher to speech class this morning, maybe I'll take him tomorrow, you know? So we like, we definitely switch on and off. And I spent a lot of years not like, it was mostly because of the commute and stuff, but coming home late. So now I pick up the kids and he goes to the gym after work. So we just make it work. Should we sprint to the finish? Let's do it. All right. How was your sprint in Chicago? Did you see that finish, like that last? I mean, I know they. How does that hill compare to New York, by the way? Because New York finishes on a little uphill. It's just different. It's bigger than the one in New York. Yeah. I think it just is steep. You look at it, and you feel like it's a long time because it's actually at mile twenty-six. So yeah. it's it's a little tough. Um, New York, you can't see it as much. Yeah, I feel like you can't really see the. No, inclines. you can see it from the east side when you actually right. still have two miles to yeah, go, and yeah. it's the worst. Right, right. People, I would say, say this is worse though, definitely. Anyone who says they love Central Park South, I'm like, you're insane. No. I also every year I've done it, that feels like an uphill to me. It is, no, it is. You ever see the? Um, if you watch the TV coverage of it, and you like are seeing it's the like elites, a little uphill, right? It, it, you see them they're down there, Terrible. and the elites are up here. But if you're running New York this year, you're going to do great. So don't even worry about that. Yeah. And I'm volunteering at the mile 25 water stop. So I'll be there from 830 to 230. So I'm very excited. I didn't know you could pick where you want to go when you volunteer. You can. I didn't FYI. know you volunteering. That's awesome. So I had a really tough race in New York and the volunteers all got me through it. So I was like, I need to give back. I want to do that for somebody. If I can do that for one person, then it will have been worth it. Oh my God. Volunteering at a water stop, if you've never done it is one of life's yeah. must-dos. I'd have to say the, the volunteers in Chicago were amazing. And it, but it's so amazing. fun. And, like, a lot of younger kids were volunteering, like, high, uh, high school age probably. And, like, when you would grab their water cup, they'd be like, yeah! See, that's what I was like when I volunteered in New York. I volunteered in New York in, I think it was maybe 20... It was 2015, yeah, because it was the year I'd just gotten married and was, like, definitely not running a marathon this year. 
uh, I had so much fun and I remember them being like, all right, we can start, you know, condensing or whatever. I thought it had been five minutes. It had been three hours. It's, I can't wait. Nothing feels more heroic than handing a runner a cup of water. Right. Like you think that you're saving their day and um, you might be. I'm so excited. I can't <sighs> wait. Plus, I mean, it was a little selfish as well because I do really want to see the elites go by. It's going to be a really good race this year. Yeah. All right. Well, mile 25, Ashley will be out there. Will your hair be in your bun? Probably. Okay. So but you know what I did notice? And this is for anyone who volunteers and you probably can understand this too. I have to kind of be strategic about my outfit. Some of those people were, I mean, it was raining, but they were also soaking wet from the water. Like, yeah. so I, I guess if it, it depends what the weather is in New York, but I mean, based on the way it is now, it's probably going to be on the warm side, but. Well, um, and usually with the water stations, there's like, you have a main area where you can like stash a bag of stuff. Right. It's like kind of frowned upon. But. I feel like I should wear like rain boots. Layers. Layers. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you'll, they'll give you a poncho that you yeah. get to wear. Very excited. You're going to look so cool. Oh, <laughs> oh God. New York. It's so yes. exciting. I'm not even running this year and I'm so excited. Let's sprint to the finish. Okay. We, we took 15, a detour. Yeah, sorry. We took the long. Quick we took, we took that hill at the Chicago Marathon. <laughs> what would your last meal on earth be? A burrito. Favorite TV show? The West Wing. Favorite movie? Dirty Dancing. Greatest fear? Being kidnapped. Not a kid anymore. Still scared. <laughs> Favorite place to run? I'll say Central Park, but I love, I ran in Hawaii too, and that was amazing. Favorite race? Spring Lake Five. Is that where you got pregnant? Hawaii? The spring like five. No. <laughs> Sorry, we're backtracking. Yeah. Sorry. Yes. Um, so or you found out you were pregnant? No, I think I'm pretty sure I got pregnant in Hawaii. Um, I thought my husband was going to propose to me and he didn't. I got very drunk and <laughs> turns out <Pregnant>. easy. Amazing. <laughs> I knew there was something with Hawaii. <laughs> yeah. <and> you. <laughs> we like, I didn't realize it, but then when we saw the due date and they like count, you count back. Yeah. I was yeah. Like, oh yeah. That's probably why. <laughs> but he eventually proposed. Yeah. You're married now. Yeah. Cool. We've been together since college. So yeah. And Jenny got to be at your wedding. And Jenny really got to be at my wedding. We got married when I was pregnant, actually, at the courthouse. Yeah. So we wanted to um, switch insurances. Oh, that was smart. Romance. Very responsible. Favorite thing to do after a run? Eat. Favorite smell? Cookies. Mm. It's a Saturday morning. You wake up in the mood to go for a run. You're not training for anything. So how far or long do you decide to run? Hmm. Probably about five distance. miles. Love that. Five Where miles. would you go? Probably say by close to home, in case Sometimes. anything. I, kids are annoying and like <laughs> shit comes up all the time. Where did you have your first kiss? <laughs> oh God, it was like like at night in like the middle of the street somewhere. It was very weird. Where did you have your first kiss with your now husband? Oh, God, I have no idea. I was probably at a bar <laughs> in college. <laughs> Who was your childhood celebrity crush? Devin Sawa. Devin Sawa from Casper. Yeah. Classic. Yeah. If you could go for a run with anyone other than Devin Sawa, who would it be? My dad. He doesn't, he used to run. He doesn't run anymore at all because he's had, he has neck issues as well. But I think I respect him so much more now as like a grandparent and seeing him, like I would just like, yeah, That's my dad. Cute. Who's your favorite runner right now? Okay. So... He ran the Chicago Marathon. I've been really enjoying following him on Instagram. But Parker Stinson, he I think he runs for Saucony. Um, he did like a video series train, uh, training for the Chicago Marathon. It was really, really great. I like when they just are like show you that they're regular people and um, let you into their lives and what their training is like. Some, That's a great some, answer. Yeah. I like that. What's the one thing you can't run without? My watch. What has been the best day of your life so far? My wedding not the one in the courthouse <laughs> your real wedding the real wedding it was so much fun and i had really big boobs and i, I miss them <laughs> <laughs> what one word do you want to be remembered by kind tell me three things you love about yourself my sense of humor the way i parent accepting of others love those and the last thing i need is for you to give everyone listening a reason to run today because I have really sore legs and I want you to run for me. <laughs> <laughs> You're amazing. I'm so excited for you. I loved tracking you. I can't wait to see what you decide to do next, whether it's have a baby or run Boston. Either way, super pumped. Um, and just really great to see someone train their ass off and have it pay off on the race course and have a really great day. So congratulations. Thank you very much. That's really kind. Thank you for having me on the show. Just a regular person there. <laughs> this is a lot of fun. I'm happy we did it. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Alley on the Run show. I love Ashley's approach to training, to racing, and to life. She makes me laugh, but also inspires me so much, and I hope you're feeling the same way. And I'm not going to lie, I know I've said I'm done with the 26.2 mile distance, but after this conversation with Ashley, I kind of am seeing the appeal of training really hard and going for another marathon, but we'll talk about that another time. Until then, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Allie on the Run one or on the Allie on the Run Facebook page. Make sure you're also subscribed to the Allie on the Run show wherever you're listening to it right now. That way you won't miss a thing. Thanks again to Aftershocks for sponsoring this episode of the Alley on the Run show. Go to ontherun.aftershocks.com to get $55 off your wireless headphone bundle. Now go have the day of your dreams. And thanks for joining me on the run.